Well, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We've been looking at what a church that is a disciple-making church looks like. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica and he commended them for their faithfulness to God. And he was so encouraged by their work for the Lord. In fact, he said, when I travel to other places, everybody there has already heard about what God is doing in you and through you there in Thessalonica. What a tremendous commendation he gave to this church. And I think there's a lot we can learn from his instructions to this church as well. In chapter 5, he's going through a description with the people on how to live as a child of the light, a child of God, a child who is walking with the Lord and on their way to heaven. A few weeks ago, we looked at how he talks about how they were to have the right kind of attitude towards their spiritual shepherds. Brother Joe Pete preached about that a few weeks ago and did a great job. And then in the last few weeks, we looked at how we are to treat one another. Right? Do you remember some of those things of how we are to treat and how our attitude should be with one another? He says that we are to warn the unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men, that we do not render evil for evil, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So he's talked about the attitude towards your spiritual leadership. He's talked about your attitude towards one another. And then he gives us a quick succession of commands on how we are to relate to God. We looked at the first one last week. He says, rejoice evermore. And then tonight we will consider the second one, which is pray without ceasing. And then we'll see... In the following week, verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. These three commands, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, or praying ceaselessly, giving thanks in all circumstances, these all tell us how we should express ourselves to God. It's important to know how we are to approach our Heavenly Father and how He wants us to communicate with Him. He says, be joyful, pray continually, and give thanks in everything. Now, continual prayer, that's what we want to focus on tonight, or praying without ceasing. This is not praying without interruption or that you never stop uttering prayers as you walk throughout your day. It's not saying that you should drive with your eyes closed or anything else of that matter, but rather this word continuously or that's translated in our Bible without ceasing, this is the same word that in the Greek language of the day was used to describe somebody who had a hacking cough or a persistent cough, one that would not go away doesn't mean that you're literally coughing nonstop, but if you've had a hacking nonstop cough, you may feel like you are coughing nonstop. And it's that same word that's used in prayer, not that prayer should be difficult or painful in that way like a hacking cough is, but rather it should be persistent and continuous in our lives. This is not a complicated verse, and therefore I hope this won't be a complicated message. 
hope rather it will be very simple and encouraging to each and every one of us. The first thing we see here tonight, very simply, we are commanded to pray. This is a command. This is not an option. This is something He tells us to do. Emphatically, He says, pray. We must pray. Prayer is a, this word translated pray here, is a worshipful approach to God. It's how we come before Him. There are actually several different words that are translated pray in our New Testament. And this word is just a general word for prayer that speaks of our worshipful approach toward God. Prayer should be a part of your personal spiritual discipline. And Paul, as his example was to this church in Thessalonica and to many other churches that he wrote to, he was a man who valued prayer. He was a man who prayed regularly for his co-workers or co-laborers for the other believers. In fact, in chapter 1 of this same book, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. When we pray, we are demonstrating our dependence upon the Lord. It's as simple as that. For you to stop what you're doing or even in the middle of what you're doing, to pause and to pray or to give it to the Lord, very simply says, I don't have the answers. I can't do this in my own strength. I don't know what all will take place. So God, I am giving this to you. I am asking for your direction. I am asking for your help. I am asking for your will to be done and not my own. What would you say is one of the biggest enemies to prayer? I think some would say it's busyness. We're so busy doing our thing that we don't have time to pray. And yet, if we understand prayer as dependence upon God, then we really don't have time not to pray, is how we should look at it. And that is why he says here, pray without ceasing. In fact, in Philippians 4 and verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't spend time worrying. Instead, pray. Pray about it and pray about everything. So there's a very simple and very direct command here to each and every one of us. If we are going to have a proper relationship with God, then we must be people of prayer. But as this verse says very simply, it doesn't just say pray. He adds those, the, those two other words there in this verse, pray without ceasing. Now, if you look this up in your Greek New Testament, you'll actually see that's just one word. Praying continuously is what he's saying. We are commanded to pray continuously. And this is not the only time that Paul reminds us to pray continuously. In his letter to 
the Roman believers, he said this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In other words, praying in the instant, praying in the moment, praying for each and everything. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he tells the church at Colossae, he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. We see a command to pray and we see this is a command to pray continuously continuously and as Philippians 4 says we're to pray we're not to worry we're to pray in the next verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, verse 18 he says in everything give thanks so I think from this context we could also understand that there ought be nothing that takes place in our life that we do not pray about there ought be nothing that we face that we don't take time to pray about you know, prayer is a tremendous privilege for the believer. It is the opportunity to be able to come directly to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to come in at any time, day or night, and bring our needs and requests before Him. If you're a parent, you know how exhausting this can be. When you have little ones coming in, sometimes day or night, with all kinds of needs and requests. You can always tell a first-time mother or a mother of small children because she generally looks a little bit tired. Why? Because she is often being bothered day and night with requests of little voices coming in about every little thing. And sometimes, sadly, as dads, we get out of those things by just saying, go talk to your mom and she will help you. Now, sadly, that's probably not the right response, dads, that we have from time to time. And yet we do this because we know that mom is probably the one that will more quickly, efficiently, and probably much more sweetly meet the need of the one asking. I'm so thankful that we have a Heavenly Father that invites us to pray. He's not bothered by your prayers. You never wake Him up through your prayers, because He never slumbers or sleeps. He's always ready to hear. And isn't it incredible that He is able to hear the prayers of all of His children at the same time? He doesn't say everybody with last names of A through L can pray at this time of day, and, or all the people on this side of the world can pray on that this time of day. No, He says we can come boldly before Him at any time, day or night, with our need. But I wonder... Do we take Him up on His offer? Are we obedient to His command to pray without ceasing? We are commanded to pray continuously. We looked at the verse there. I read it quickly to you in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, continue in prayer. And then he says, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So our attitude in prayer before the Lord is also an attitude of thanks, which again, Paul pairs those two things up in 1 Thessalonians 5, 
prayer, and thanksgiving. Why? Because as we take it to the Lord, we can be ready with a spirit of gratitude to receive whatever God does. I don't want to steal my own thunder for Sunday morning, but I've been preparing a message on the faith of Isaac. And one of the really fascinating things when you study out the life of Isaac is in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he had faith in the way that he blessed Jacob and Esau. But if you think about the story of how Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, how many of you know what took place in that story? Genesis tells us, don't you remember Jacob came in pretending to be Esau and he took Esau's blessing and Isaac blessed him. He was deceived, but then later Esau comes in and he says, but my father, don't you have a blessing for me? And the scripture is very interesting. In the book of Genesis, it says that Isaac trembled. He, he was fearful for a moment, but then if you look at Isaac's words, if you want, you can study ahead for Sunday. It'll be okay. If you look at Isaac's words, he states very confidently that he knew that he had given the blessing that he was supposed to give. So even when Isaac was deceived, he still trusted God, that God was working the situation out for his glory and according to God's plan. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever been taken advantage of or you have something do something to you, someone do something to you that is wrong or completely a sin as the Bible teaches and yet for Isaac to be able to trust God enough to say it's okay, the Lord knows what he's doing in this situation. It's just an incredible thing to try to wrap your head around. I'm still trying to do it because when we look at situations going on around us, we tend to worry, we get frustrated, we get upset, we get discouraged, and we try to figure it out ourselves. And instead, God says the believer ought to be praying without ceasing. So when I pray, then I can watch with thanksgiving. I'm ready to wait for God to answer in His time and in His way, and I ought to have a thankful heart because I know that God has it in His hand. God has it under His control. I like it when I talk with Brother Larry about this. He'll say, Pastor, God's got this. God's got this. Don't worry about it. God's got this. And I'm thankful to know that while we're commanded to pray and we're commanded to pray without ceasing, we are praying to a God who both hears and answers prayer. And the scripture says He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I want you to think about one final thing with me tonight when it comes to praying without ceasing. This isn't directly from this particular verse, but as I was meditating on this verse, I asked the question, so where should I pray without ceasing? And I think we can, we can say confidently based on the Word of God that we are to pray both corporately, that's all of us together, and privately. And we can do that in line with the Word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look down just towards the end of the chapter. We're almost there. But if you look at verse 25 of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul requests prayer from the believers in Thessalonica for himself and the other people that were with him. He says very simply, Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. 
He said it again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 in verse 1. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Jesus in his model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 taught us that we ought to pray privately. He says in Matthew 6 and verse 6, he says, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like to them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. Isn't that incredible? And some might use that as an excuse not to pray. Well, God already knows what I need. Well, that's just an encouragement to pray. The one you're praying to already knows what you need even before you talk to Him about it. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we are to pray privately, but we also are to pray corporately, together. James 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. There, there's this corporate idea that we can share those requests. Yes, even asking others to pray for our faults, our weakness, to pray with us that we would overcome the sin that is, doth easily beset us that we would share those needs and those burdens with others. And he says, pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul instructs Timothy, his son in the faith, to encourage and to lead the church in prayers for the uh, political Leaders of the day, he said, I exhort therefore that first of all, prayers, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So yes, we are to pray privately, but we are also exhorted to pray corporately. I read this and thought it was good, wanted to share it with you. Uh, the author says, what specifically then does a biblical theology of prayer teach we who sit in the church or on our couch? It teaches us to listen intently to the person leading in prayer while repeating to God, yes, yes, that person speaks for me and all those around me. I thought this was a great attitude to have in corporate prayer. We're not sitting there wondering when he or she is going to be done, but rather saying, yes, Lord, I agree. I agree with what this person is saying. Corporate prayer teaches us not to be so arrogant as to think that our religion hangs on our ability to articulate ourselves. It teaches us that the way 
of redemption requires us to lock arms with others, speaking for them when they can't speak and listening to them when we cannot speak. Father, forgive them. Jesus said these words, for they know not what they do. There's a corporate prayer. Jesus is praying for all the people who were in the middle of crucifying him. Corporate prayer reminds us that the impulses of our individual hearts are not always reliable guides. And we need the mediator's intercession. Now, who is the mediator between God and man? He is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is praying for us. And it teaches us to submit our hearts to the praises, confessions, and intercessions of the one who's leading in prayer, and to our mediator in heaven who is praying and interceding continuously for us at the right hand of God the Father. Corporate prayer teaches us that God is so merciful and stoops so low that not only does He speak in words that we can understand, He even places words of repentance and praise into our dumb, closed mouths. He helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. A biblical theology of corporate prayer teaches us that God's people will become what they are, united in Christ as we learn to speak to the Lord together. Speaking together, after all, trains the desires of our heart to be united in faith, united in hope, and united in love. Corporate prayer in the church requires the church to agree to be without division and to be of the same mind and judgment. It's one way the church stands fast in one spirit and with one mind, striving together for the work of the faith that God has given us. Philippians 1.27 talks about this. Corporate prayer of the pastor in his church, of the Bible study leader and the group of young mothers that is together with her, of the father and his family, is a shadow or a type, really, of the gospel itself. How Jesus Christ went and He was our go-between. He was the intercessor for us. He died in our place and when we pray with one another and for one another, we are helping to bear one another's burdens and to therefore fulfill the law of Christ. We are literally living out the gospel in real life for others. What a privilege it is to bring the requests of others before the Lord. What a privilege it is to be able to lead us, lead others in prayer before the Lord. And that gives us a very important lesson, not just for the people who are listening to somebody else pray, but for the person who's leading in corporate prayer. Should God give you the opportunity to do that, we should take that opportunity reverently. As we have the opportunity to approach the throne room of God on behalf of others, it's a dangerous thing to stand before God without the blood of Jesus Christ to cover us from our sin. In the same way that the high priest in the Old Testament went before the Father, he went into that holy of holies. He went reverently 
because he was there representing all of those people. Think in the same way as we come to lead others in prayer, as we just in a few moments will do as we break up into groups and pray. We have a great privilege and a great opportunity to be able to take those requests before the Lord. As Christians, we may approach God boldly, and we should approach God boldly to intercede for others. But when we come boldly, we need to come boldly, not standing on our own merit or our own strength or our own righteousness, but through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Pray without ceasing. If your life and your relationship with God was dependent upon prayer, then how is your relationship with God doing? The reality is our relationship with God is dependent upon, the, as far as the closeness in that relationship, it is dependent upon our communication with Him in prayer. And it's a way that we demonstrate that closeness that we have and bring those requests before Him. Now, you say, well, that puts a lot on us. Well, yes, but the only way that we have that on us is because of the work of Christ that He's done for us. So when we come in prayer, it's not in our own strength. It's not dependent on us in that way, but rather through the blood of Jesus Christ, asking Him to go before us and to intercede for us. I don't know about you, but my tendency is to run and try to push hard and do things in my own strength instead of realizing, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means then that I can pray in the strength that God gives. I can depend on Him, not in my own strength, but in the strength that Christ gives to be able to bring these requests continuously before Him. Praying without ceasing. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes prayer can seem monotonous, even boring. If you aren't uh, intentional in your prayer, you might even find yourself falling asleep in the middle of it because you're just struggling to repeat those words. That is why we cannot pray without His help. But He's asked us to pray without ceasing. I'm thankful that God promises to help those and encourage those who will come to Him through prayer. And may we have a right relationship with Him in line with this commandment. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Father, Thank you that we can pray to you about each and every need. We thank you for your love for us that allows us to come directly to you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we bring some requests before you over these next few minutes, we thank you that you will hear them and that you will answer them according to your will and your plan. May we be dependent upon you and not on ourselves. Lord, our relationship with you is dependent on prayer. But prayer is only possible because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so we are ultimately dependent upon you. Help us to understand that and bring each request to you and not grow weary in the well-doing, knowing that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.